gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 249. My name is Seth Everett, and I'm so glad that you're with us. We're going to do something really, really cool today. Uh, Recently, uh, the entertainment world lost ed asner and i didn't know ed personally but i felt like i did he is an iconic actor who has been in so many things that i could literally just list his imdb page and you would find that was the whole episode asner died of natural causes in his home at age 91 he's the most honored male performer in the history of the primetime emmy awards He won seven, five for playing Lou Grant in the Mary Tyler Moore show. He was also in the spinoff, Lou Grant. He was in countless movies. A lot of people talked about his performance in Up, and he was an amazing voice actor as well as a stage actor and a screen actor. And since this show is called the Hall of Justice and we're into superheroes and sci-fi and stuff... Uh, We're going to highlight a few of those voice acting performances. You know, it's funny. A lot of media has been playing clips from the Mary Tyler Moore show. I'm actually too young for that show. I saw it in reruns. I know what it is and I know its historical significance, but it wasn't my thing and I didn't realize. What I found was that his voice work was extensive. And when I became aware of it was the 1990s Spider-Man show. It's amazing that that actually happened because he was in Batman the Animated Series before that. And you say, wait a minute. Well, I know Kevin Conroy was Batman. Lauren Lester was Robin. And Mark Hamill was the Joker. He was a character named Roland Daggett. And you have to watch the show to know where he comes from. Listen to this clip. This is Ed Asner in Batman the Animated Series. You do good work, mister. What did you say your name was? Nitro, Mr. Daggett. On account of explosives on my business. Uh, I assume Crocker explained the terms of your employment, mister. Nitro? Sure. There's an old gas line running under the whole block. I make it look like the pipeline ruptured, so the job can't be traced to you. It's to be done while I give my speech to the Gotham Better Business Council. Nine o'clock, exactly. Trust me, when the hands on that watch hit nine, boom. Mr. Daggett, Mr. Daggett, any comments on this tragedy? Uh, does this affect your plans to redevelop, Mr. Daggett? It's a sad fact, but you have to expect violence in Crime Alley. These people don't value human life like we do. Nobody values human life like you do, Daggett. I defused the bomb at the hotel. All your punks managed to destroy were a few condemned buildings. Once they confess, you're finished. I'm shocked. Shocked to learn that arson was the cause of this tragedy. Thank heaven the criminals responsible have been caught. But, Mr. Daggett, you told us to... Officers, I believe your duty is clear. Excuse me.
Let it go. Daggett won't escape the law forever. I don't think we spend enough time talking about the tone of that show and how real it was and how not cartoony Batman the Animated Series was. But like I said, I knew him from Spider-Man because he was J. Jonah Jameson. And I didn't realize at first, but then soon became aware that J. Jonah Jameson was the famous Ed Asner. Peter, these photos are terrific. In all my years as editor, I've never known a photographer as resourceful as you. Oh, thanks, Mr. Robertson. I don't know how you get these shots. Me neither. You're always in just the right place at just the right time. Tell me, Parker, what's your secret? Uh, a good telephoto lens and a lot of luck, I guess. That's so. Sure there isn't something else that you want to tell us? Well, I'd like to get my paycheck today, if you don't mind. Parker, you really tick me off. I'll find out how a young squirt like you gets those photos sooner or later. It better make it later. Bye. That's from a season one episode about the Scorpion, Mac Gargan. And then there was another show that I, I, I was blown away by the range this guy had. Uh, one of the shows that I really wanted to make sure we focused on was Gargoyles. You had to see Gargoyles to believe it. And maybe we should do an episode just dedicated to Gargoyles. Keith David played Goliath, and Ed Asner had a name, too. Here's this clip. Why were you hiding back there? I wanted to make sure you were alone. <laughs> Not to worry. You look like you could handle a whole SWAT team. What are you doing here? Just making certain you were not being ambushed. <laughs> you guys are paranoid even for New York. Are you coming on the tour? Uh, what do I call you anyway? Must you humans name everything? Nothing's real to you till you've named it, given it limits. It's not like that. It's just that, well, uh, things need names. Does the sky need a name? Does the river? The river's called the Hudson. Ah, fine, lass. Then I will be the Hudson as well. Great. Hudson it is. I don't know how I'm going to keep people from noticing you. Simple. We'll stay on the rooftops. <laughs> Easy for you with those wings, but what about me? <gasps> well, that answers that question. Uh, <clears throat> let's be off. Coming, Hudson? I think not. This new world is too big, too bright, too loud. Now that I know you're all right, I'll return to guard the castle. That's from the, uh, the five-part pilot episode of Gargoyles, and that's how Hudson gets his name. The accent, the range, <laughs> it's Ed Asner. It's the same guy who played Roland Daggett, played Lou Grant, and played J. Jonah Jameson. It's, it's incredible. Before we get to the first of our two guests today here on the show, Andrea Romano and Dan Loria, I want to play this one clip from Superman the Animated Series where... It's the Supergirl episode, Little Girl Lost. And in it, uh, Supergirl encounters from Apocalypse, one of Darkseid's darkest minions, Granny Goodness. Granny Goodness, a woman, played by Ed Asner. And when we mention an actor who had range, uh, this was the most shocking. And this is something we are going to dissect and, and talk about today. Ed Asner served two terms as president of the Screen Actors Guild, which would later merge with the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, AFTRA, of which I was a member, and the merger became SAG-AFTRA. And I am a member of SAG-AFTRA, and you know I'm very proud to be in that union. He was originally opposed to the merger, and we'll talk about that later on as well. But you talk about acting range. How about this one? Superman the Animated Series, 
the big bad in that show was Darkseid. And all of the fourth world was all in it. And Ed Asner, seven-time Emmy winner, played Granny Goodness. Now, why have you nosy little mice come calling on poor old Granny Goodness? Uh, my chick and I heard Inner Gang was back in biz. Sounded like a good gig. Thought we'd join up. Bingo! Let me tell you tadpoles how I work. I seek out the lost little lambs society has cruelly abandoned. I take them lovingly under my wings, give them the power to face the cold, heartless world, and kick its butt! We're in. But you hardly seem the type. So bright-eyed and soft-skinned. Life has not scarred you as it has my other goslings. Still, we can remedy that. All right, I've seen enough. Don't you realize you're being duped? You think you're getting power, but she's just turning you into her own personal goon squad. So as we look back at the life and times of the legendary Ed Asner, we have two special guests. And we are going to hear from two icons in their own right. At the end of this podcast, we are going to hear from Dan Loria, uh, the famous Jack Arnold in the Wonder Years. Uh, Jack Loria uh, is on the Goldbergs now. He was recently in This Is Us, Shameless. He was on Smallville, How I Met Your Mother, I mean, countless shows. And Dan Loria was a dear friend of Ed Asner. Uh, they played a poker game together up until COVID. Uh, truly remarkable. But we're also focusing on his voice acting and someone who hired Ed Asner to become this amazing voice actor is none other than voice directing legend Andrea Romano. Miss Romano directed him on the Boondocks, Batman the Animated Series, Freakazoid, Animaniacs, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League Unlimited, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, All-Star Superman, and many, many more. We spoke to Andrea Romano back on episode 154 when we were live from New York Comic Con honoring the 20-year anniversary of Batman Beyond. So we, we met Andrea Romano and we spoke to her for just a few minutes. <laughs> now she's coming on again. And we promised to have her on to talk about her illustrious career. But for now, we're going to pay tribute to the great Ed Asner. So for her second appearance uh, on the Hall of Justice, the first one was to celebrate Batman Beyond. Today, we continue to celebrate the life and career of Ed Asner. Andrea Romano, voice director for Batman, the animated series, Superman, Justice League, Batman Beyond, the Freakazoid. I mean, the list goes on. Animaniacs. The, lo the list goes on and on and on and on. And your credentials are notwithstanding but under sad circumstances, but proud circumstances. Uh, thank you for coming back. Thanks for coming back to the show. It's my pleasure entirely. And what a great person to talk about. If we're going to have to have a conversation about the sadness of someone leaving us, let it be someone who leaves with such a legacy and oh, yeah. such a reputation of, I mean, everybody loved Ed Asner. How could you not love him? I met him, or I became aware of him, uh, like most people did, through the Mary Tyler, yeah, the Mary Moore, Tyler show. Moore show. Right, sure. exactly. And then, you know, I'm sure people will speak of this and have been speaking about this over the last days of how it was remarkable. And I think Kelsey Grammer may be one of the only other human beings who did a spinoff show, but Kelsey essentially really played the same character in two comedies. Right. Ed Asner did right. a comedy and then... A not a comedy for yeah. Lou Grant. And, and, you know, I think people had this impression that he was Lou Grant, that he was this gruff, tough guy. And, and he certainly had that personality, but he was such a nice man and such a funny man and a generous man. And I, I remember, I think maybe the very first time that I ever hired him would have been back at Hanna-Barbera. So we're talking like oh, okay. when I was just casting, I wasn't directing yet. That's somewhere mid eighties. Uh -huh. And I brought him in and Gordon Hunt directed him and he was lovely. And, you know, there's still that moment of where you just go, he's, he's tough. You know, maybe he's going to be cranky with me and I'm, and then you find out like, that he's holy crap. That's Lou Grant. 
it's not just Lou Grant though, it's this guy who is so happy to be working. And the evidence of this set is if you load his IMDB page and say you're on an iPad or a phone and you're scrolling, your thumb will be sore <laughs> before you reach the end of his credits. The man loved to work. And so once I started working with him, you know, whenever I would offer him a job, he almost always said yes. If he was available, he said yes. And, and you can tell by that enormous resume he has. He loved to work and he loved to do different things. So way back when, Seth, when I first hired him for, oh, you know what I became aware of was, you know, I thought he was this gruff guy, Rich Man, Poor Man. Do you remember that miniseries? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm where he, it was like the first time I saw just a remarkable actor. Like the range. That Ed Asner was. Yeah. The range was crazy. He was doing an accent. He was playing this, this father in this other generation practically and with a whole different set of standards and, and I was blown away. Sure. And from that moment on, as I have with many actors throughout my career, I knew I had to hire him. I knew I had to work with him. I knew I wanted to spend time with this man because my goodness, nothing is more exciting for me than to be in a room with someone so talented. And so that's when I hired him at Hanna-Barbera. And then. Um, well, let me, let me transform this. Please. Um, you're, you're, you're casting Batman, the animated series. Okay. And we played the clip earlier and you just, you set a tone. You had a tone where it just didn't feel animated. It felt real. And he comes in as Roland Daggett. And I couldn't tell you, you know, I was in college when, when Batman the Animated Series came out. And we used to get high and watch the show on videotape, like mm -hmm. really late at night. Uh -huh. And I couldn't tell you um, if when I heard Roland Daggett, if that was Ed Asner. Like I, you, you, you don't know right away that mm, that's him. Interesting. Um, when you're casting that, I, I guess what I'm saying is tell the story behind Roland Daggett because it's so contrasting to Granny Goodness. <laughs> well, Granny Goodness has her own story, doesn't she? Um, but you know, when you're casting for a show like Batman, the animated series, where we were really intending to have very realistic sounding voices. We did not want to go broad and cartoony. We weren't making right. super friends from Hanna-Barbera. Right. It wasn't, we making... right. Rob Paulson was on the show and he talked about the differences about right. what a real life voice versus a cartoon voice. Sounds. Correct, correct. And, and what you're always looking for regardless is good acting. You want good acting. If people can, in addition to that, do multiple voices, then that's, a bonus but basically uh, for many of the batman guest stars that came in we wanted them just to act using their voices and so we we let i always would let an actor do whatever their gut instinct was they would say andrea what do you want for this and i would say what before i voiced anything upon you what was your gut instinct when you first read it? And mm. for actors like Ed Asner, he opens his mouth and says, blah, 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 blah. How about this line? Blah, 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 blah. Like that sounds just right. Maybe we'll make a little bit of changes as we go along, but their instincts, their acting instincts are so good for actors like Ed Asner that you don't have to force them a lot. That's why you hire them. You know, you don't hire a technician, you hire an actor. To do these kinds of voices and you know during that time we were doing predominantly um ensemble recording which means ed was in the room with all the rest of the actors kevin conroy was there everybody else was there in the room and so it doesn't take very long for you to get a sense of as we rehearse through it what the energy of the piece is what the other characters sound like how you fit into this puzzle and he just fit in beautifully and you know you get those actors like um john vernon or bobby costanzo or you know kevin conroy certainly or any of the other people that came into play and and they bring each other's level up. They all, you know, it's like playing tennis with a better tennis player. Your game gets better because you're playing with somebody better than you. You act with qualified good actors and your acting is better. And so he brought the room up and the room brought him up. And mm. and, and something about Ed that I wanted to, to touch on, if I may, is sure. he 
he didn't suffer fools. If you didn't know what you were doing, he would call you on it. And so he always inspired everybody who worked with him to have done their homework, to be ready to dive in and do the work. And so if he asked me a question about the script and I didn't know the answer, he would make it very clear that I should have known that answer. Sure, sure. And so uh, and I love that about him. And he would sometimes kind of mess with you a little bit, kind of test you and you know I'm a pretty tough broad and so he would he'd like <laughs> let me have it he'd be like are you sure are you sure faster oh. is better there Andrea why is faster better there Andrea and 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 you know at first the instinct is to be intimidated and then because I had done my damn homework and because I'm not going to be intimidated sure, by right. somebody who, who who's right. you know um clearly testing like you didn't me. get your job by accident Right, exactly. And and I and I love my job so much. And I my intent always is to give the actors an environment to do the best possible work they can. So if they have questions like that, I'm I'm totally fine. Let me answer that question for you. But he was testing me. And so very early on. And so I I I think I passed the test. And then he came to play every time I came to ask him. And you brought up somebody a second ago, a character, Granny Goodness. Well, and, I have to know just how do you make that phone call? Like, I know that there's question. agents, but how do you make that phone call? You are going to play uh -huh. a, an old lady <laughs> who is dark and evil and sounds like my Aunt Sandy. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good to know. Um, that, it was such a challenge. Bruce Tim came to me. That wasn't my idea, right? I didn't come up with that casting idea, mm -hmm. but I got the script and, or maybe even before a script came out, he knew Granny Goodness was going to show up in a couple of episodes. And, and for those who are Supergirl episodes, little girl. Uh, is that what it was? Yep. Very good. Thank you. Um, and, and he gave me a heads up, which is, we always try to do whenever we want to get a, a celebrity in because schedules, you know, you want to work them in so they can work with the other actors. Sure. And um, Bruce told me about the character and he said, do you think Ed Asner would be willing to play this? And I, I laughed so hard because, you know, he had shown me a model of the character at that point. And I'm like, you know what, all I can do is ask the, what's the worst that could happen. And this was kind of my attitude about, anybody is what's the worst that could happen if you offer them a role they'll say no that's right, the sure. worst that can happen so i reached out to ed and I, I asked bruce for a character description a model design and a bit of the script and i i said let me send that out to him so that he knows what we're talking about because to just describe it as you did a second ago i don't know who would say yes to that right. so i sent him the whole thing and i said here's the character she's a, a dark side villainess. She's his hench wench. She's um, in charge of the Furies, three female villainesses as well. And, and I described both the whole thing down for him. But did you have to explain the history of who dark side is? Like, yeah, dark no, side no, he knew, who, he, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew who knew, dark wait, side was. So Ed sure. Asner knows who dark side is. He, he was very familiar with the Superman world. Just a really intelligent wow. informed knowledgeable man truly huh. and um and so i i said would you be willing you know to play this and the message came back through the agent why not when do you want me <laughs> and so he came in and and then when we started breaking down the character again so what do you want so it's a radio play so it's a i, I don't That's mean right. to cut you off but i'm trying no, no, to set please. the scene yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, it's a radio play, and yep. uh, the young man who's playing Jimmy Olsen is in it. Right. Uh, the, the young lady who's playing Supergirl, and Correct. so there's the, the there's this this scene, and it's a radio play. Is he giggly? Like, is he like? Wait, do you get a load of me? Like, like? No, you know what? It's interesting. You that see you what I'm that. saying? Like, I, I do. I well, when I asked a him, a lot first, of masculinity to be able to pull. Absolutely, down. a lot of confidence to do this, and and he said, "How you know? How broad do you want to go?" And I said, "I think the drawing is broad enough, mm. pun intended." Yeah. Um, and. And so let me hear what your instinct is. And as you've now all heard the voice, it's not a massive, he doesn't do, you know. No. Uh, um, it's not Tootsie, um, it's not Mrs. No, Doubtfire. Correct, it's not, what's that wonderful actress's name from the um, Groucho Marx movies, Margaret uh, Dumont, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, right? It's not that, it's none of that. It's, it's very believable. And 
believable in the fact that we have all heard women's voices, like you said, your Aunt Sandy, did you say? Women's voices who sound like, you know, that drawing or sound like men. And so what I did, because I, I don't ever like to embarrass an actor, was I... I always introduced the entire cast to everybody, even though many sure. of them already knew each other. Supergirl, blah, 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 so on, so on, yeah, so on. Yeah. So. And Ed Asner, the David beautiful Kaufman, Ed right? Asner, David right? Kaufman. David Kaufman. And was it Nicole Tom who was playing the, Supergirl? Yes, 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 Tom? thank you. Time. Nicole um, Tom, who who didn't remember uh, any of the episodes that she had done. We had her on the show, and she had no recollection of anything. It's, she's done a lot of work since then. Um, but I, I, so I showed the character design to the room so that they knew what Ed was doing so that they wouldn't start giggling and, and do anything that might make somebody feel self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And so they knew what he was going to be doing. And, and then they all just played along and it was so believable and so good. And everybody was so happy, including Ed. And, mm-hmm. and my point that I want to say is if it was a good role and it was well-written and he was available, he said, yes, he just loved to work. And he was always so good. He always brought something to the party he never just expected something to be handed to him and and so by that we could watch him work watch him create give him the environment to do that and then just bask in the glory of his performances amazing um in closing the man has such a legacy and the one aspect of his career that i don't think got publicized a lot was his amazing voice work. Uh, he got mentioned for Up. Uh, for, uh, Stunning amazing work on up. up. Stunning. But, but, you know, to have the range to be uh, Hudson on Gargoyles and to be J. Jonah Jameson and mm-hmm. Granny Goodness and Roland Daggett and mm-hmm. there's countless others. Mm-hmm. What does it say about the legacy of his career that he has a whole nother Hall of Fame career that no one knows about? I can't wait until fans find this out and actually get to screen some of these shows that we're talking about in particular freakazoid which Mm. i don't think gets nearly enough love and it's about time it gets its anniversary attention but is that on is that on hbo max oh yeah uh no i had to find it on youtube Okay. Uh, but it's it's fantastically good. And he is so funny in it. And I remember so well working on that in particular. He plays uh, Cosgrove, a police officer. And he he says the most absurdly ridiculous things. And it's mm-hmm. such a credit to his acting ability as a comedic actor and as a realistic actor, um, a dramatic actor, when he would say things like, you know, hey, Freakazoid, you want to go see a bear ride a tricycle? <laughs> you know, they're in the middle of some crime fighting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he would say, Freakazoid would say, what am I going to get my girlfriend? Uh, why don't you get her something like uh, a new turban? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But it was banjo? always scripted. It was, it, it was never ad lib. No, but it sounded like ad lib. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. good he was. And there's one other, one other um, project that I want to speak about that he did. He did an Animaniacs episode for me really early on in my knowing him. And it was a an episode called Garage Sale of the Century. And he's yeah. this cranky old geezer holding a garage sale. And the Animaniacs show up trying to buy the garage. <laughs> and so the whole thing is them being their silliness and he just gets crankier and meaner and bullies them. And that was always the point of Animaniacs was they would never allow bullies to get away with being bullies, just like Bugs Bunny never allowed bullies to get away. And so he was so wonderful in that episode. So I encourage everybody to watch Animaniacs to see Ed Asner. That's on Hulu. You can find Animaniacs on Hulu. And uh, Jess Harnell and Rob Paulson were both on this podcast. That's right. Oh, so how wonderful. And um, but but those the, those shows in particular and and of course, Batman, um, the boondocks. He was fantastic mm-hmm. on the boondocks mm-hmm. for me. And uh, there's just so much that's like work a to treasure. See that. That, that's a hidden gem on HBO Max. Absolutely. And yeah. if people uh, are familiar that with all and, this uh, Harvey camera- Birdman. Yes, yes, yes. I, exactly. I found these shows. HBO Max is so perfect in really- that. You never, I, again, as a as somebody who's a, an adult who has kids and a job and a, all, all these things, you would never stay up late to watch Adult Swim. And now <laughs> that these episodes exist, 
it is literally it's a treasure trove it's, Isn't it's it? fantastic and this is where people who want to see more of ed asner's work should go because a lot of the characters are drawn yeah. to look like him and then there's his beautiful acting in it it's amazing uh andrea uh i i am holding you to this that you'll come back and we can talk about your illustrious career. It would career. be my this pleasure. This is literally sir. the second time you have been a contributor to a podcast that we've done. It's when my you have pleasure. had this incredible career. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Seth. It's a pleasure. More with the Hall of Justice in just a moment. But first, a message from our friends at Warner Brothers Animation. Based on the popular video game and film franchise, Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms is out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. When Zhao Kahn's outworld barbarians terrorize Earthrealm, Lord Raiden is determined to put an end to the carnage once and for all. This leaves one option, a final Mortal Kombat tournament for the future of Earthrealm. Win it or lose everything. Raiden's elite fighters, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, and a few new faces kick the action into overdrive as they go head-to-head with Outworld's most bloodthirsty warriors. To celebrate the release of Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, fans can log on to Mortal Kombat Mobile from August 31st through September 6th to receive a free daily movie pack, including random silver character cards, equipment, 25 souls, and 25,000 coins. New special movie theme packs featuring gold and diamond cards will also be available through September 6th. Available now, Mortal Kombat Legends, Battle of the Realms, on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. As we continue to pay tribute to the life and career of the late Ed Asner, uh, we welcome in an incredible actor with an amazing resume. You know him as the dad, Jack, in the Wonder Years. He's also been in Party of Five. He's been in Smallville. He's recently been in the Goldbergs. And also, This Is Us. Uh, he continues to work, and we are thrilled to welcome Dan Loria to the podcast. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Hall of Justice. Under, under awkward circumstances, I would love to just be sitting here reminiscing about your career, but we're going to pay tribute to your good friend. Oh, no, I'm I'm honored to be here. And, uh, you know, I love Dad and I've known him for forever. So he's he was always a supporter of all my crazy ideas. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, working in the business, they were definitely uh, good guys. And oh, yeah. in the time since his passing that you've been able to see videos and, and, and read articles and, and things, he was literally beloved. What was it about Ed Asner that was so special? Well, he he was a fighter and he was a fighter for causes that helped so many others. You know, he he wasn't one of those selfish actors that was always thinking about himself. He was always thinking about the art and the union and uh, well, this big issue with the health care that was, yeah, yeah. you know, it's become you know, very popular right now to talk about it, but Ed had been talking about it way back. He was the one who first got us that great healthcare program when he was president of SAG, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he has always fought for others. And, and in this very greedy world we seem to be in, it was so, you know, good to have this cantankerous guy who was out there marching for all of us, you know? And that's but I why- was- but as someone who's in SAG-AFTRA and as somebody who, you know, pays the union dues and, and, and attends the Zoom calls and all the, the different things, the one thing about it is, is it's always amazing to see someone who is mega successful. I mean, Ed Asner is an icon. Oh, yeah. Still take up the fight that he doesn't rest on his laurels and say that this is someone else's fight. He didn't need to do this. He wanted to do this. And that's what's so admirable about it. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he really got a charge out of that. He, more so even in acting, I think. He, he his political life was his strength, plus his uh, dedication to autism speaks. You know, he, he had causes and uh, he woke up every day for that. And it was so great that at the end, <clears throat> he became such a voiceover icon. Well, you yeah, know? that's what and we talked about earlier worked. on the podcast. Yeah. Ed was still working, you know, at 91 years old. I was jealous. I mean, 
I'm out there auditioning and Ed's, you know, <laughs> people are calling him every day, you know? Well, don't sell yourself short. You were on This Is Us recently. You were on the Goldbergs recently. You've, you were Lombardi. You've done so many things in, in, in your uh, iconic well, career yeah, in your but, own right. Mine are compared to Ed, you know? He was, <laughs> uh, I mean, Ed was always, uh, and he was always accessible. Uh, you know, I <clears throat> when I was on one year's um, Charlie Durning, my, mentor made me start a reading program where every Monday night we read a new play to help writers uh, get literary agents. Oh, and we did it for 10 years. We did over 480 public readings of new plays. I got to tell you, half of them were terrible. We shouldn't have read them. But <laughs> it was about a quarter of them that were really special. And I got to tell you, Ed must have read at least 80 of those over the 10 wow. years. Yeah. Because oh, he was, it's, it's amazing. You know, and then if I put him in one and Charlie Durning sort of go, why didn't you call me? Why'd you call Ed? <laughs> Charlie, Ed would go, why didn't you Charlie? Why didn't you put me? You know? <laughs> so the competitiveness, were... even at his later years, like he was oh, still yeah. competitive. Um, when you, you mentioned the voiceover and the range, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, he played an iconic role, Granny Goodness. He played a, a woman. He played Granny Goodness in Superman, the animated series, and no one could believe it was him. Yeah. And it was truly a test. This guy had so much range. We were also talking about recently he was in Cobra Kai. I, I mean, he was doing things up until the very, very end. Yeah, well, Ed had his own technique about it. he approached it not as a voiceover, but as a on camera, he would actually try to learn the lines, even though he had a script in front of him and mm -hmm, would mm -hmm. go in a recording thing. He would actually study the lines and create a character as opposed to just doing it as, you know, so That's uh, amazing. But he was the best. He was he, he was great. You were telling me about a, a poker game, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind just. Uh oh. There was a, you played a weekly poker game with Ed Asner. I, I, yeah, well, it I, I was, pinch myself. I can't believe that, that, that that's actually true. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Norby Walters had this game for years and years and years. And uh, Charles Durning, when I was on the one to yours uh, said, why don't we ask Dan to join? Now you didn't play every week. The game was every week, but it would rotate. So you usually play at least twice a month. So you get an invite. You, and you get an invite from Norby, but Ed was part of that game. I, I mean, I can go on and on. Sid Caesar and uh, oh Rod Steiger and Jerry Vale, just all a lot of great comics. Jan Murray, Buddy Hackett, Milton Berle. They were all in it. George oh Siegel. And, and the late, great George Siegel. Yeah, yeah. What a nice, what a nice man. What a nice man. And, um, you know, and, and Ed was part of it. And, uh, they would if ever I won a hand, he would be upset because I was too young because you're too young to win. Get out of here. You shouldn't be in the game. But uh, the game lasted until COVID. Norby is still alive. We're waiting for COVID to end so we could pick it up again. Sure. sure. But, um, you know, I was wondering I was wondering if this last year and a half that Ed was not able to do this. I know that's and I, I'm so tired of COVID. Yeah, we all are. And um I Ed would get a ride to the game, but I usually took I dropped Charlie Durning off and then I would take Ed home. So, uh, Jeez. you know, and we'd have some nice talks and that about union and about acting. And uh, we're both so upset with uh, the what technology has done to our art of acting. I mean, um, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say it, but if you watch the movie Argo, the longest take without a cut. It's a phenomenal, a phenomenal movie. No, see, I hate it. Oh, hate please it. tell me. The, long, the longest take is 27 seconds without a cut. Hmm. See, see, and we, uh, I do a lecture at college, which Ed loved, by the way, and I would show two minutes of Argo and go cut, 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 cut until the audience understood what a cut was. Sure. And I would show Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell go around the desk and say, yell out cut when it comes in five minutes and 40 seconds. They wow. yell out. It's like literally the opposite of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> because it's now it's four and a half minutes between balls hit and play versus <laughs> versus, you know, 10 years ago when uh, you'd see a lot more action. That's so random that 
acting and editing in movies have gone literally in the opposite direction. Oh, yeah. We are all uh, two eyes in the camera. I haven't seen anybody listen on television in over 15 years. And it's the reason why um, we always went back to the stage. I mean, Ed was, he was, his knees were gone and he still went back and did a Broadway play when he was 86. Charlie Durning and Jack Klugman did, uh, Jack was 87 and Charlie was 86 when they did their last play. So, you know, these old timers, they had this reverence for acting and, it, it, we hated to see what would happen. You know, Charles Durning, uh, he always said, every day you don't work, you should watch an old movie. Hmm. You know, so you could have an appreciation. And when he saw the movie Heat, he actually cried. Huh. He said, I thought I'd die before I saw this. And I said, what are you talking about, Charlie? And he showed the movie. Matter of fact, Ed, we were, Ed was there too. So was Peter Falk and uh, Dom DeLuise and Jack, we were all sitting there and Charlie said, you guys got to watch this. And we're looking at him going, what are you saying? He said, there's not one frame with the two of them in the same frame saying anything to each other. Wow. He said, I thought I'd die before this. And Charlie said, what they're telling us is if they'll do this to the two best, they don't need us anymore. Uh And you can check it out. If you look at uh, Robert De Niro or, um, Al Pacino's interview on Inside the Actors Studio, they both talk about how they just said line after line and then they let an editor put it together. Put it together. Well, and, and that's how voiceover Ed is done was, now. Ed you know, says, Ed, right. I remember exactly what he said. He goes, we're going to lose all the power we have as actors if this keeps up. Wow. So if I was a producer and you were from the actors union and you came to me and said, you need us actors. I would say, come with me. And I'd bring you on a set and I show you a young actor on his cell phone, not knowing his lines, doing one line at a time because he knows they're going to cut. And Ed agreed where and they will not talk about both sides in our union will not talk about why we're losing power. So I don't think any actors should be allowed in SAG unless they have enough theater credentials. But boy, you'd never get that passed. Ed would be the only one who would vote for it. Yeah, that would, that would never get that would never get passed. You know, it's it's interesting because you know, getting back to the voiceover, uh, when he had his iconic roles on it's Superman: up. The Animated Series or Spider Man or Gargoyles, a lot of people you know reached out to me about Gargoyles when when uh, Ed passed and. They were all done as radio plays. Keith David talked about yeah. how they would all sit in a room and they would all do radio plays. And now, you know, we do a lot of episodes with people about these new features. You know, a lot of you know, Warner Brothers reaches out. We we put actors on all the time and they never met each other. Like and during COVID, they literally never met each other. And on top of that, they didn't have like a premiere to, to, to even meet each other. I was no. acting and, and they act up against each other and you'd never know it. And it's it's really weird because what people talk about, it's one of the things that I found the 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 90s, really the 90s animation, which is to me a golden time. You really do see that old fashioned radio play. Kevin Conroy came on this podcast a bunch of times and talked about the the repartee he had with Mark Hamill as Batman and the Joker. And they weren't on camera, but you could feel the energy together. Of and there's course. such a value to that. Oh, yeah. That's well, that's a value when you leave the camera alone and keep people in a two shot. Now you'll see a master for the first line and a master for the last line. And in between, it's one talking head after another. You got you have to remember whether it's a voiceover or not. Chemistry is what happens between two people. Mm-hmm. When I cut from your head to my head. What we've done is cut the chemistry. And when you have two people in the same room doing a voiceover, the chemistry is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When they're separated, you can have a great delivery, but you don't have the chemistry among the actors. You know, right? I'll tell you one thing Ed loved to do. We would do radio plays on stage. Oh wow! And you remember you you got to remember the old radio. There was a live audience there. Sure, sure. 
now the Foley guy, he get, he steals the show no matter what it is. <laughs> but we read we read one down at Laguna with Hal Linden and uh, oh, it's I think it was Tony Schlub, Ed, uh, myself, and it was about Tesla. And we of course we all played a bunch of different characters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we were come up to a mic, sit back in a chair, just like they did in all. Sure, sure. And I'll tell you, the audience was packed. We were supposed to do two performances. We ended up doing four. And uh, because of demand. Yeah. And Ed said, I love this. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of like what you're doing with the voice. So he goes, no, no, the actors aren't there. When I do this is great. We're here. <laughs> I can look Hal Linden in the eye when I'm doing my line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Last question about about your friend uh, Ed Esner, and again, my condolences to to realize you are as close uh, with him is truly uh, amazing. Did you ever talk to Ed Asner about his place in the progression of television from the iconic Mary Tyler Moore show? Was that something that ever came up? Because I would imagine he's constantly talking about the present. It seemed like he was always talking about the here and now. Did he ever, in any of your car rides home or, or something, ever talk about the value of his role as Lou Grant, both in the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Lou Grant show, and what well, it meant for television history? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you have to understand that Ed was so political and mm-hmm. that was why Lou Grant was pulled. And, and, and right. you can find that anywhere. I'm sure it's been well-documented. My opinion, it is fact. Right. It's been well-documented. I asked him, have you ever regretted that? And he said, you know, at the time there were times when I would go back and forth, I should have said, I should have calmed down a little bit. I could have got important things through like Jack Klugman did on Quincy, they get, became a little mm-hmm, more political. Mm-hmm. He said, but now that it's said and done, I'm glad I, I stood with my principles. And in, in the long run, it actually let me help a lot of people. Hmm. He, he thought that image of the fighter is what got him to be president of SAG and, and everything oh, else. Oh, I see. And that led, that political conviction, even though he lost a lot of money, lost the TV show, might have lost his acting career at the time. Uh, but it did lead to helping a lot of other people. And that was Ed. I mean, Ed was the guy out there fighting for all of us, you know. That's and Ed, you know, everybody eloquent. talks about Ed could be grumpy, you know. But if you went back at Ed, if you if he gave you a zinger and you zinged him back, he loved it. He'd hug yeah, you. Yeah. You know, grab you. He was that kind of guy. I, I'll always remember the night I introduced him to Tommy Kale and uh, Lynn. Oh, the three of them. I never heard. I've never heard Tommy Kale. Well, when you say Lynn, you're talking about Lynn Manuel Miranda and Tommy yeah. Kale. Yeah. Yes, that guy. I, this is for the audience, like Lynn. Uh, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy uh, Kale, and Lynn. Uh, they're two of the most talented people I know, and the nicest. And and. You know, like I said, Ed, a lot of people said, oh, Ed's grumpy. Nah, he was grumpy, but he was grumpy in a great way, you know, in a fun way. You know, so uh, I don't know. He I just enjoyed being with all those guys. You know. Well, Dan, I, I, I can't thank you enough for 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 doing this. Uh, it's a wonderful tribute to a to a dear friend of yours and an icon in in this media field. Um, Thank you so much for, for doing this. Just promise me this. You'll come back to the podcast and we'll talk about your illustrious career and uh, all the great relationships that you were able to build and all the great performances uh, that we've known and loved. All right. So anytime, matter of fact, uh, have me back and I'll tell you about those dinners with Ed and Charlie Durning, Peter Falk and Dom DeLuise. Uh, Jack can, just, can you just ima- imagine the names he's talking about? That's, that's they incredible. Were, they were the old school. They were great. That's wonderful. Right. Dan, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Good luck with the Goldbergs and everything else. No, and, and uh, thanks for remembering my friend. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. It's good to see you, sir. Bye. Take care. Let's leave it right there. That's Dan Loria, an icon. Andre Romano before that, another icon. We pay tribute to the late, great, Ed Asner. This is the Hall of Justice Shang-Chi review next week. We'll see you then. Why were you hiding back there? I wanted to make sure you were alone. (laughs) Not to worry. You look like you could handle a whole SWAT team.
What are you doing here? Just making certain you are not being ambushed. <laughs> you guys are paranoid even for New York. Are you coming on the tour? Uh, what do I call you anyway? Must you humans name everything? Nothing's real to you till you've named it, given it limits. It's not like that. It's just that, well, uh, things need names. Does the sky need a name? Does the river? The river's called the Hudson. Ah, fine, lass. Then I will be the Hudson as well. Great. Hudson it is. I don't know how I'm going to keep people from noticing you. Simple. We'll stay on the rooftops. <laughs> Easy for you with those wings, but what about me? <gasps> well, that answers that question. Uh, <clears throat> let's be off. Coming, Hudson? I think not. This new world is too big, too bright, too loud. Now that I know you're all right, I'll return to guard the castle. You do good work, mister. What did you say your name was? Nitro, Mr. Daggett, on account of explosives on my business. Uh, I assume Crocker explained the terms of your employment, mister. Nitro? Sure. There's an old gas line running under the whole block. I make it look like the pipeline ruptured, so the job can't be traced to you. It's to be done while I give my speech to the Gotham Better Business Council. Nine o'clock, exactly. Trust me, when the hands on that watch hit nine, boom. Mr. Daggett, Mr. Daggett, any comments on this tragedy? Uh, does this affect your plan to redevelop, Mr. Daggett? It's a sad fact. But you have to expect violence in Crime Alley. These people don't value human life like we do. Nobody values human life like you do, Daggett. I defused the bomb at the hotel. All your punks managed to destroy were a few condemned buildings. Once they confess, you're finished. I'm shocked. Shocked to learn that arson was the cause of this tragedy. Thank heaven the criminals responsible have been caught. But, Mr. Daggett, you told us to... Officers, I believe your duty is clear. Excuse me. Let it go. Daggett won't escape the law forever. <laughs> 